It's time to raise your voice. It's time to be heard. Because everything counts. Everything matters. Good news. Christian values. Alabama's Christian Talk Radio. With Greg Davis. Priority Talk. Hello and welcome to Priority Talk Live here on WXJC. We're glad you joined us. You're here on 101.1 FM, 850 AM. Yes, I hate to break it to you. Greg is not in office today and he's having a bit of trouble uh, uh, in that he let us in here. Uh, But we're going to try to keep that trouble to a minimum. Uh, this is Homeschool Dad Day. I actually have my son in studio, but he is not broadcasting. He is observing uh, the, the goings-on here. Uh, we've got Stuart in the control room, and uh, we've got you there uh, in Radio Land. We appreciate you being here. Uh, this, this, uh, this program, as you know, is one of uh, perhaps Alabama's only live talk radio. Uh, I know it used to be. If we still don't have that status, we do still re- uh, retain the right to claim this is the best talk Christian talk radio station uh, programming in Alabama. So good news and Christian values. That's why we're here, why we hope you're here. You can listen online at WXJCRadio.com or Priority Talk on Facebook. Uh, some days they have the um, things set up on Facebook where you can actually see what's going on in the studio. Thankfully, you've been spared that today. And then you can also find on PriorityTalkLive.com. Click on the Watch Live or Listen Live, rather, and you can uh, also do the podcast there. So we're glad you're with us. Uh, Today we're going to be talking with a special guest. His name is E. Ray Moore, and we'll be talking about Christian education and keeping it Christian. If you were tuning in yesterday, you know that there was uh, uh, we were talking about fear and talking about some of the struggles that Christians are dealing with, uh, just navigating the uh, everyday world around us in a rapidly changing world. So uh, today we want to look at one of the specific areas that Christians, Christian parents, Christian young people uh, really have to be sharp and stay on top of because there's a lot changing in the education world. That's uh, what we're going to talk about uh, shortly with uh, with uh, Ray Moore, and uh, he's a longtime friend. So uh, I've had him on before. It's been a couple of years ago, and a lot has changed in the Christian education world since that time. The reason I'm uh, bringing that up is uh, COVID-19 and the lockouts from the schools, the shutdown, the um, uh, at-home learning, remote learning from home, all that changed a lot in education. And one of the things that changed is they, people uh, started paying attention to what was happening. They suddenly found out that crazy things like uh, critical race theory and intersectionality and all these things had crept into the curriculum in public education and were being pushed um, uh, on a level we had never seen before. But also, you know, it was kind of unsettling that parents were told, you don't need to watch this, or the kids were told, make sure your parents are not watching while you're doing your your at-home learning. Well, that's a problem, folks. But it's nothing new with the, the those who have been pushing and controlling a lot of the activism within public education. Now, there are some good, committed public 
teachers out there, some strong Christians who teach in public schools. Uh, First Priority, a great ministry that has worked in the public school system. But we know that things have changed, and it gets harder and harder for Christians to have uh, a good, solid Christian presence in the public school. So we look at this issue uh, today. We look at it uh, at how to keep Christian education Christian, and we're going to look some at the globalist uh, uh, agenda that goes back all the way to the 1940s and John Dewey and the uh, Humanist Manifesto and other forces that have been impacting education, public education, for a long, long time. And some of that is actually uh, bleeding over into Christian education. So I want to share a scripture with you. Those of you who are uh, uh, students of God's Word, you'll know the topic of Genesis 18, but I want to pull out of Genesis 18 a particular verse because it talks about what God uh, did when he chose Abraham and one of the primary reasons that he chose Abraham. It has to do with educating your kids and uh, discipling them and uh, bringing them up in the fear and uh, admonition of the Lord, nurturing them to be disciples. Uh, in Genesis eighteen sixteen, it says, Then the men arose from there. This is when the angels have come, and the Lord, this apparition, has come to visit Abraham. And it said, They looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Of course, we know what he was doing. He was sending the angels down to see if uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were actually altogether as degenerate and and corrupt as the cry of it that was coming up before heaven. But catch this verse. It says, For I know him in order that he may command his children. God talking about Abraham, why he chose him and ordained him and called him. He said, I, I know him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So God was living under a promise, under a covenant uh, that God had made with him when he called him out of a land of idolatry and sent him into the promised land to uh, wander around and live in tents and uh, only actually possess three different places. That's a big sermon there if you want to look those up. They only actually possessed three places in that holy land, and he lived, as the Scripture tells us, with his the heirs of this same promise as strangers and pilgrims in that land. And so uh, we're seeing that the promise is still sure. Uh, there are many obstacles to that promise, and even in the middle of this situation where uh, God is coming to judge these cities of the plain where actually uh, his nephew Lot had chosen to live. And we have this this story leading in. Uh, Abraham is actually pleading for then the um, and interceding for uh, uh, the Sodom and Gomorrah if they could find 50 souls that were righteous there down to if, if, if the angels could locate 10 righteous people in there. But having back to do with Christian education, God affirms himself that God has chosen Abraham because he will instruct his children and his household after him. 
Beloved, that's our job. As Christians, as parents, uh, as, as mature believers, we're to be discipling the next generation. And that's what we're looking into today with this um, ongoing struggle, really, with every generation, but certainly ramped up in our generation as we see uh, things shaping up prophetically, like we talked about yesterday, a lot of the fresh challenges for getting uh, the, and maintaining the liberty to, uh, to educate our own children, and then just the global forces that have moved in education for a long time. So keeping education Christian, uh, Christian education Christian, it may seem like uh, kind of an obvious thing, but it's not as easy, and it's not getting easier. Uh, and the challenges are great. And that's some of what we're going to talk with and also the great opportunities that are there for Christian education and for parents who, uh, who are willing to pay the price and go the extra mile for their uh, children's education and the homeschool parents. And we want to encourage you, offer you resources, and we're going to take a break, and we're going to be right back with Ray Moore, and he'll be calling in shortly. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Priority Talk, WXJC 101.1 FM. Priority Talk. Marketing can be overwhelming. From website changes, PPC, SEO, SEM, branding, social media, brochures, and everything in between. The marketing landscape is vast and full of holes to lose your money. Stop trying to piece your marketing together. Start marketing with purpose. Dot Edison Marketing is your full-service marketing partner. They are your business's outsourced marketing team that will save you time and money, all while building a traditional and digital foundation for your business. Call them at 205-332-3728 or go to their website at dotedison.com. This is Greg, and I want you to know about my friend Jeff Harding and Alabama Reliable Roofing. Your local roofing expert since 1998, Alabama Reliable Roofing provides residential and commercial clients with exceptional roofing services. Jeff and his experienced team are well-equipped to provide repairs and installations of shingle and metal roofs. Look, I know the importance of a roof and that it's one of the biggest investments you make in your home, place of business, or church facilities. Alabama Reliable Roofing understands this as well and has the experience to work with your insurance company in case of storm damage. So whether your roof has suffered from storm damage and needs repairs, or it just may be time for a new roof, you need an inspection to determine the next steps. Company owner Jeff Harding is waiting on your phone call and will be personally involved with every job. Call him at 205-369-9630 for a no-obligation conversation and a free estimate. Look at their work on the Alabama Reliable Roofing Facebook page and then call Jeff at 205-369-9630. Alabama Reliable Roofing, 205-369-9630. Yeah, yeah. Hello, this is Floyd Larson. And you're listening to Priority Talk. Yeah. Oh, it's good, yeah. All right, welcome back. Tom Littleton sitting in for Greg Davis here on Priority Talk Live on WXJC 101.1 FM, 8.50 AM. Thank you for joining us. We are talking about uh, Christian education and keeping it Christian. Uh, and going to be uh, welcoming a wonderful guest here, a good friend of mine, E. Ray Moore. Are you there, Ray? Sir, thank you for having me, Tom, and give my regards to Greg when you 
theme. I will do that. And uh, I understand today's a big day for you and your wife, Gail. It is your 53rd wedding anniversary, correct? Right. Yeah, it is. And we just got back from eating in Olive Garden at one of our favorite places. And then we're doing this radio show, and I'm so glad to be on it. And then at uh, 7 o'clock, we're going to a volleyball game for my granddaughter at her Christian school. So we, we've got a pretty packed day. <laughs> Good. Well, uh, you give her our regards. And I'll say this. Every woman deserves some kind of uh, significant accommodation for putting up with a guy for over 50 years. Don't you agree? I think so, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but we, we, it's been a great, uh, great life. And uh, it just hardly seems it's been that long. But I've known her much before that. Uh, we met when I was in college. And uh, she had kind of a nominal uh, Christian background. I was uh, raised in the Baptist church and had come to know Christ as a, at an early age, but she was uh, converted at about 15 and got in our church. And uh, not long after that, we started dating, she, but we had I had to wait for her to grow up a little bit. We got married when she was 19, and uh, here we are now, 53 years later, four That's children wonderful. and eight grandchildren and one on the way. Well, wonderful. Wonderful. Well, you guys, I know, work together uh, with uh, your ministry. You're, she's very supportive of you there. Uh, I know one of your first organizations called Exodus Mandate, uh, being a position that uh, Christians should get their uh, kids out of public schools and into Christian education. Uh, would you tell us about that and kind of some of the other supporting organizations that you're working with today? Yes, we started homeschooling our oldest son in 1977 when uh, I was finishing up my theological training at Grace Seminary in Indiana. And uh, he was six years old, and we decided for different reasons, many would be some of the same reasons that people homeschool today, that we were going to homeschool him. We probably would have put him in a Christian school, but it was a little bit financially prohibitive for us at that time. So we started what we call the family school, and uh, we went on with uh, all uh, four of our children homeschool up through middle school usually, and then we tended uh, to put them in a, a private Christian school. But uh, we, uh, in 1997, we launched a ministry called Exodus Mandate, and that webpage is exodusmandate.org. I happen to have, uh, over the years, a lot of supporters in the state of Alabama, and still do. And uh, so, um, you know, we're, we've been at this a long time, and it's an effort to get uh, Christian families, uh, churches, and, and pastors to choose the Christian education option, either campus Christian schools or homeschooling. That's kind of that, that mission. Yeah, and, and that's I'd be somewhat honored of, if people would go to that website and take a look at it. Well, that, there's somewhat of a mixture in that today. That uh, not only not only are some churches, uh, sp- you know, sponsoring on campus uh, like K through 12 schools, but they're also doing homeschool uh, coverings at the church, and then the uh, kids can audit the uh, you know various classes that are offered, like a co-op uh, situation. Right. And so we're seeing more and more of that here. That's very adaptable and that parents can get a lot of uh, assistance and that they can, you know, and, and you'll find in the homeschool community and the Christian educu- education community some very dedicated educators. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Uh, it's amazing what's happening in this arena now. 
we started 25 years ago with Exodus Mandate, and now in the last uh, two to three years, our world has exploded in a good way. Uh, I'm, I feel like I'm living a happy nightmare, and uh, happy nightmare now, and I don't want to wake up, but it's not true, because millions of children are going into homeschooling and campus Christian schools right now, even as we speak. And that happened in part because of COVID and the lock, the lockouts of the schools and all that, correct? Right. I think that was a, a, the instigator. Uh, people were thinking about it, but once the schools were shut down for a time, people said, look, uh, I don't like what they're doing in the public schools anyway, and we can do a better job. And so they just stayed home. And homeschooling jumped from 2.5 million before the pandemic to about five or six million permanent homeschoolers today and wow. it's not over yet we don't know the dust hasn't settled and the smoke hasn't cleared so we don't know how much longer and how much bigger this can get and campus christian schools are growing at the rate of 10 20 30 even 40 percent a year and many new schools are springing up all over the land and we're talking to people right now in alabama that are praying and thinking about starting a, a school in their church. So yeah. It's just an unprecedented moment. Well, I think, you know, this is really more back to the roots of, uh, of parental responsibility and opportunity. And, and like things were on the frontier and, and you know, and in America in the early days, you know, uh, pe- you know parents were not absent uh, tea, uh, uh, um, you know, in their kids' education. They were very much the front line workers and that responsibility to, um, you know, to disciple your kids. And as you educate them, you can be educating them in the Word of God and uh, in godly principles as opposed to, you know, a lot of what we see flooding in through the uh, global uh, agenda. Now, a lot of the problems in public education go all the way back, right? I mean, we're talking um, back into the early uh, part of the um, uh, 1900s and um, the Humanist Manifesto, John Dewey, guys like that. Uh, tell us a little more about that history. Well, we, we date the uh, major turning point down uh, is with Horace Mann from eight, about 1840 in Massachusetts. So that's when the state, first state-sponsored, state-subsidized, and state-financed uh, public schools began. Prior to that, uh, the schools were all parochial, church-based, family-based, and in some cases in New England where the Puritans didn't have a, a good, solid, a proper view of separation of church and state. The community and church schools were one and the same, but they were Christian, and it changed around 1840, and Horace Mann uh, got the uh, state of Massachusetts uh, to agree to have state-controlled uh, education. And it was largely because of the uh, Irish immigrations. They were coming in by the hundreds of thousands in you know, 1830s on because of the Irish potato famine, and they were Catholics. And we were largely a Protestant nation at that time, and it really scared a lot of the Protestant uh, clergy that we would lose the pro- Protestant uh, dominion over the culture. And so they, he persuaded them to set up state schools and use them to convert Catholics to Protestantism. Now, I'm not a Catholic, I'm a Baptist or Evangelical, but it's wrong to coerce anybody, uh, using the government to coerce anybody into, into your faith. And, uh, and, of course, it was a trick play, and a lot of the Protestants went for it. Yeah. 
Well, un- unfortunately, that we we face these kind of challenges uh, in the contemporary setting because we know there's a global agenda. After the break at the bottom of the hour, we'll talk about that more and some of what you know and and um, you and other um, uh, colleagues of yours have uncovered even recently about uh, the global impact on uh, on education, how that's bleeding over into Christian education. But would you agree that probably the challenges are on the uptick along with the opportunity? Right. Uh, times of great significant opportunity also are times of great danger. So we're in a, a, a kairos moment. That's the Greek word for opportune moment or divine moment. But there's also the temptation, and uh, Satan is working overtime, too, to try to disrupt uh, what's happening. So we are working hard, we're growing, we're advancing, but we'll be talking about some of the problems that we face on the other side of the break. Okay. Well, we are uh, talking about Christian education, about keeping it Christian. We are here on uh, Priority Talk Live. Greg Davis is out today. This is Tom Littleton sitting in. We appreciate you joining us. We'll be right back on WXJC on Priority Talk Live. Thank you for sticking with us. Welcome back to Priority Talk Live. Tom Littleton sitting in for Greg Davis here on WXJC 101.1 FM 850 AM. You can also find the the program here on WXJCradio.com, Priority Talk on Facebook, or PriorityTalk.com. You can watch live and also share the podcast. So uh, today we're talking about Christian education, uh, keeping it uh, Christian with Ray Moore or E. Ray Moore, who's a good friend of mine. Uh, Again, glad to have you, Ray. Yes, Thomas. uh, It's always great to to be here, and I'm I'm really honored to be able to be on such an important uh, network and station and understand it covers all of northern Alabama. And uh, praise the Lord for uh, ministries like that that are hanging in there for many, many decades. Yeah, for years this was Alabama's only uh, live talk Christian uh, talk show, and uh, I, I'm not sure if that's still the the, the status, but uh, we do claim that it's the best. And uh, Greg does a good job and uh, has a great audience. Uh, I was uh, talking to you before the break uh, about some of the forces that we're up against in education in general, but in Christian education, how some of those things, same things, are seeping in. Uh, would you um, speak to that? I know UNESCO is sort of one of the looming specters in the education world. It's the United Nations um, uh, arm for education and uh, culture. Uh, would you speak to some of that and maybe some yeah, of the Can things? I make a little segue back? Yeah. To, uh, uh, we, I put out my webpage, exodusmandate.org, and I'd be grateful if people would go to that. But more recently, in the last three years, uh, I'm part of a group that formed up in San Diego, and that web page is publicschoolexit.com, publicschoolexit.com. And they have a bigger staff and a bigger budget, and they have more uh, offerings, and it's a kind of a, 
uh, network or web page for newbies, people who need to get started and don't know how to go about it. They yeah. don't know about curriculum. They don't know about models. A resource, a great resource got, page. It's basically a good resource page. Yeah. So good. I want to put that out before we get too far. Yeah, and we'll talk about those and give those websites, too, at the end. So if you're a parent uh, and you're looking for uh, resources, this is a great place for them. And coming from a voice who has many, many years of experience in this uh, realm. So tell us some, uh, give me the history you know about UNESCO and then uh, some of what they've been up to recently. Well, the uh, UNESCO is the United Nations Education Scientific Arm. And, of course, it's a globalist uh, group, uh, you know, and we're certainly not globalists. We're nationalists. We believe in the autonomy of our government, but we also believe in the autonomy of our private and home schools. And it's a very dangerous situation uh, if, uh, if, if we get to start getting government funding. And what's happened recently is a mutual friend uh, who is actually part of public school exit. His name is Alex Newman, and he does a Newman report, and he also runs the Sentinel Report, which is part of Lindell TV. He's really one of our top Christian conservative journalists in the United States. And he uncovered a report, it's a U.N. report, UNESCO report, to use tax money to control private schools. And they openly advocate that government should use tax subsidies for private schools to bring them under government control and impose regulations mandating equity and other goals in keeping with the United Nations, which would not be in keeping with with the Bible and with Christianity. And this is, shows one of the tent, uh, uh, temptations. We mentioned the good things that are happening, but now there are minefields that we could step on <laughs> Uh, step on minds on the way to the promised land of Christian schooling and homeschooling. So we have to negotiate this new territory very carefully. And Alex Newman has, has got the best little report, so if any of your audience is interested in having a printed copy of that, if they'll contact my office at exodusmandate at gmail.com and ask for the Alex Newman report on vouchers. I can send it out. It's kind of long, but basically it's a plan that the UN and UNESCO has to try to uh, tempt or uh, urge uh, private schools to take a handout or take government money. And we, we have a saying that if you reach for the, the money, the handcuffs go on. Yeah. So well, we urge people and we urge Christian schools not to advocate for the tax-funded voucher because it is a trap. Right. And, and basically what uh, Alex found is that it is an intentional trap that right. has been set. So these guys know that uh, a lot of these organizations, private uh, schools and uh, uh, coverings like this would have uh, financial woes, have financial needs, uh, you know, might be operating uh, on a lean budget. So the money would be um, attempting and enticing. But if they're specifically designing these vouchers and this funding for the purpose of getting their uh, their controls in and mandating uh, different types of uh, curriculum uh, and, uh, you know, and, and getting uh, basically governance over these schools uh, and making them comply with a set of standards and diversity, equity, and inclusion and a lot of the cultural 
trends that they're pushing their agenda with. I mean, that's that's something they are more than glad to be willing to do. And uh, they're Doctor's not a new said, idea. Right. It's, it's been around for decades, and it's, it's worked. Now, Alex mentions uh, to me that his wife is from uh, Sweden. And uh, years ago, when he was living there, when they were early married, I guess the Swedish government you know, put in a, a voucher for all the private schools and totally, totally took control of them later and just wiped away any kind of free freedom of education in that country. He said, I've seen this firsthand how yeah. it works. It does. Uh, it has, you know, been done before. We shouldn't be surprised. Actually, uh, you would know from 1946 from the UNESCO's uh, it wrote original statements uh, with its uh, founding. Uh, Julian Huxley actually boasted that uh, they would be uh, using their influence and the Hegelian dialectic to merge Christianity and Marxism. And merge East and West. And uh, so they have a very clear plan. It's a long game. They've been sticking to it. Now, one of the tools that I became aware of maybe six or eight years ago that was a kind of frontline uh, topic then, but is less so now, uh, mainly because of the word salad and the changing of the terms, was the focus on common core to have a common core curriculum. And you would agree with me that the common core curriculum is a global goals, a UNESCO goals, and it's something that's been around a long time, correct? Right. It actually, I think, was implemented first in law in 2010, and then by 2013 or 14, I think it had been implemented in 45 states. And what it tried to do was create total uniformity from state to state and from state to from the United States to the UN and um, and now uh, some conservatives uh, supported it uh, thinking it would bring about standards because that's what it, it says common core standards but actually it lowered standards and uh, so conservatives began to really oppose it vociferously and Christians in, in many cases if they had their kids in public school and so it became so odious that many states actually tried to revise it and changed it and so in South Carolina where I live they actually took the name Common Core out of the law and they put another name in made some minor revisions but kept 91% of the agenda (laughs) and I think that was done all over the country and it fooled conservatives, oh boy we defeated them but you still had it was as a new name and it takes conservatives five more more years to, to realize they've been tricked again so we, that's why we support uh, you know, Christian education, but sadly, some of those standards uh, e- ease their way or seep their way into some Christian schools and uh, in Christian curriculum too. Yeah, uh, my wife's uh, family is from uh, South America, and uh, we talked to a, an educator in one of the schools there who said uh, proudly that they teach Common Core UNESCO curriculum in that Christian school, and and she. W- you know, was of the opinion that it was wonderful. And so, uh, you know, but there's a morality that goes with this, uh, primarily because the globalists want to press uh, what they call a global spirituality. And the same guy who helped found UNESCO and whose dream list, the Common Core curriculum, uh, Robert Mueller, Mueller, he is not the FBI guy. This is an older UN prophet of peace. This guy had the idea of a a global curriculum, but his 
uh, bigger idea was a, a new genesis of a global spirituality. So they have their own religious views, which are very New Age. Uh, matter of fact, that's some of the original origins of promoting the New Age religion uh, was through the UN and through his work in UNESCO. So we've got to be watching. Like I said, this would be one of the big challenges to keeping uh, Christian education Christian. Now, uh, you're seeing some of that again today uh, as uh, those challenges uh, ramp up. Um, What would you say is one of those bigger concerns before the break? Well, the voucher is a big concern to us because if it becomes the dominant or the main mechanism for school choice, which I don't like that term either because it implies a voucher, uh, they will take over and control the Christian schools. So we spend a lot of our time trying to warn people because the money is very enticing. You know, and, and again, you've already mentioned today that you know, a lot of the Christian schools have uh, budgetary concerns, but they've got to find a way to fund their own schools. There's a saying in the church that God's work done by God's, uh, in God's way will not lack his support. So I have a belief that the resources that we need are resident in the body of Christ, but they're misallocated. Uh, sadly, a lot of preachers are not behind the Christian school or the homeschool movement. If they would get more engaged and, and, and get their churches involved, I think we would have plenty of funds. Yeah. That's the big concern I have, but we'll talk about a, another issue on the other side okay. of the break. All right. Well, you're here with Tom Littleton sitting in for Greg Davis. We have our guest uh, with us today talking about Christian education, Ray Moore. We're here on WXJC, 101.1 FM. We'll be right back. Priority Talk. One Point USA is a security company serving churches and businesses in the state of Alabama. Don't wait until something happens to protect your employees and your valuable property. One Point USA's experienced staff understands your security needs and wants to help you before a problem arises. From video surveillance to card access control and commercial security systems, One Point USA has got you covered. Call One Point USA today at 205-701-0191. That's 205-701-0191 or visit OnePointUSA.com. That's the number OnePointUSA.com. OnePointUSA. Be secure. Greg Davis here, and I want to remind you of Priority Talk's longest-running advertiser, and that's Today's Family Dentistry, your friendly dental practice conveniently located in downtown Coleman. Make your appointment to see Dr. David Kim, Dr. Keetan, or Dr. Stephanie Young, along with an experienced and certified team of dental technicians, along with a friendly staff, I might add, who serve both children and adults with a wide range of dental services. That includes general and restorative care, along with the cosmetic enhancements to meet all of your family's dental needs. Today's Family Dentistry accepts Medicaid for children under 21, Blue Cross Blue Shield All Kids, and most commercial insurances. Give them a call today and make your appointment, 256-739-739. Three 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 seven. That's today's family dentistry located in downtown Coleman. Call today and make your appointment. Two five six seven three nine three 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 seven. Today's family dentistry in downtown Coleman. Hi, this is Erwin Lutzer. I'm the author of the book We Will Not Be Silenced, and you are listening to Priority Talk. <laughs> All right, 
It's us. We are coming back live at you with Priority Talk Live. This is WXJC 101.1 FM 850 AM. Tom Littleton sitting in for Greg Davis. I have a guest in studio. That's my son, Seth, who is actually a homeschool guy. And uh, he is able to attend this as a work day, uh, learning day uh, here in the studio this afternoon. That's one of the, just one of the benefits of uh, of homeschooling. He's been interested in uh, being a producer, so he's looking and uh, taking a good long look today at the sausage being made here in the studio with Stuart. And also we have on the phone a guest talking about Christian education and keeping it Christian, E. Ray Moore. Uh, welcome back, Ray. Thank you, and of course, keeping it Christian is very important. So, Christian schools and curricula need to have doctrinal and theological standards that are rooted in Scripture, uh, and they need to be very careful about mixing in, you know, secular humanist uh, or New Age ideas into their uh, curriculum. Right. And because uh, God commands us, uh, to, us to follow the Word of God, and and, and, and Scripture and theology see, needs to cover all disciplines. I'm as concerned about having Christ in the math class and in the science class as much as in the Bible class. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's called worldview. We need to have good, solid worldview teaching in our Christian schools and our homeschooling. And that's what this movement is all about. We're bringing people back to the Word of God, and we see when families start doing homeschooling, it just seems to sometimes... Uh, put some sparkle into their marriage, into their romance, and they, uh, everything just seems to start clicking and coming together when, when families unite, parent, mother, and father, and how to raise their children in a, in a Amen. good way. Amen. Well, you mentioned curriculum. Uh, I know one of the struggles that I've been tracking with for a good while is the impact on science with some questionable curriculum and outside influences on that curriculum. One of those is the concept of theistic evolution and uh, a ministry that a lot of people may be familiar with called BioLogos. And uh, the Francis Collins who worked with NIH and people got very familiar with during the pandemic. Uh, he worked very closely with, with uh, Anthony Fauci uh, he helped start this organization, but it's a pushing an effort to merge science and evolution or theistic evolution. Would you speak to some of your concerns about that? Absolutely. We are a strict, uh, literal, six-day uh, creationist ministry, and we think you can make a, a scientific case for that and certainly a biblical case. Um, and, and the uh, evolutionary argument or the misinterpretation or try to force evolutionary thinking on the first 11 chapters of Genesis is a source of a lot of our problems. It really undermines uh, confidence that children have in the scriptures. And I'm happy to report to you um, there's a group working on a new uh, curriculum. There are some good curricula. Apologia is a good science curriculum. It's a creationist-oriented. There are some. Uh, we use Bob Jones and A. Becca in our homeschool and uh, experience, but that was many, many years ago. We think they're still sound. Uh, they were some of the few at that day, but there's so many, much new cr- Christian curricula coming out that it's hard at my age to keep up with it. But my friend is an MIT graduate, uh, an inventor, a scientist, and he happens to also have a theological degree from Dallas Seminary. And he's working with a group of PhDs and uh, scientists who are who are Christians. They're they're not evolutionists at all, 
and they're working on trying to create a, a math, physics, and science curricula. So uh, that's under development. I hope you'll have it out within a year, and we're going to try to offer it uh, in the homeschool Christian school arena. I don't want to say more about it because yeah. it might, something might happen to him, but he's working hard, and he's got the competence to do it. Yeah, wonderful. Well, on the opening up, uh, you weren't on uh, on the air yet, but you may have heard I was uh, reading from Genesis 18 something that God said about Abraham himself and his choosing of Abraham and and entering covenant with him, and this was in uh, in the light of Sodom and Gomorrah and the declining culture around them, the pagan culture, mm-hmm. and uh, he actually said, God said himself in Genesis 18:19, he said of Abraham, he says, "For I have known him." in order that he may command his children and his household after them, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And we know, of course, that covenant promise is Mm -hmm. that Abraham's children will be uh, as the sand of the sea uh, and as the stars of heaven in multitude, those those children of faith. And that's what we see in the Christian faith today. We are descendants uh, spiritually of Abraham, but we also see this Sodom and Gomorrah-like culture that is happening around us, and right. that that God has chosen us and called us to be uh, to follow Him and to teach our children and to, to teach our families and for the men to be the priest of their families, even in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. Um, some of that is you know is is not only the the you know, the reason that Christians need to be involved in their kids' uh, education, but why we should support ministries like yours and, uh, and, and Christian schools. Pastors need to support them. We need to support pastors who will come in behind the idea. But speak to that a little bit and that responsibility and some of the challenges you see uh, uh, taking shape. Well, I mentioned one, uh, the vouchers of great uh, challenge to us, and then I mentioned the lack of, you know, substantial Christian curricula, which we've got to have, but the, another one is, in fact, it's quite hard to believe, but the uh, LGBTQ, the homosexual movement, is encroaching into some of our territory, and I don't believe that it can be any accommodation between Sodom and the kingdom of God, and we know what God thinks of that, because he tells us and shows us in Genesis 19, that, I mean, I think that text is there to show us his, his how he sees uh, that particular sin. And uh, so we can't accommodate it in the church, and some of the evangelicals are, are trying to do that now. Now, one group, and I hate to mention it, but Charlie Kirk's uh, Turning Point USA seems to be, and, and we've seen the evidence of it, of, of accommodating uh, the, uh, some of the homosexual leaders. And uh, there's been several papers written on it, and uh, they are starting up a Christian school uh, outreach, which has got me greatly concerned because uh, that reason, that's the primary reason. And I think a lot of conservatives and Christians don't know that about Turning Point USA. There is an effort to mainstream the homosexual conservative movement. If, if, that can, if that's not a contradiction in terms, I don't know, but that's what they claim to bring them into the conservative, larger conservative movement, and then further to take them into the Christian movement and say it's okay to be gay, you know, that's kind of what's happening. So we're very concerned about that, and it is a problem. And if anybody wants more information, 
on the reality of what I just said, they can contact my office at exodusmandate at gmail.com. I can provide the documentation. Yeah, I had noticed that uh, several months ago that uh, Turning Point USA, which is a very uh, popular uh, political movement among teens and college age, that they had started a branding of Turning Point uh, USA Faith. So they're definitely kind of moving in on our territory. And uh, and I did see the Turning Point Academy. I think this is kind of the second generation mm-hmm. of that Turning Point Academy that you're talking about. But, uh, you know, the idea that we can sort of find common ground and, and you know, be a big tent and uh, and yet still keep things Christian. Uh, that's a large part of what uh, God warned uh, us about repeatedly in the Scripture, and even Peter uh, talks about uh, with uh, Lot's struggle, because once the angels that l- depart from uh, Abraham's uh, camp in uh, Genesis 18, once they descend into that culture, uh, they find uh, uh, Abraham's nephew and his family in pretty bad shape. Right, and, of course, Second Corinthians six uh, fourteen to eighteen is a strong warning to be separate from ungodliness and things of the world. It says, "Come out from among them and be separate," saith the Lord, amen. and I will receive you. Touch not the unclean thing, and this amen. is unclean. And so Christians cannot accommodate this. Now we should pray for these people uh, as they come to us. We should witness to them and try to urge them to repent. And, and find Christ, and of course in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, uh, Paul says, such were some of you, and he lists a, ca- a category of sins, and homosexuality is one of them. So they can repent and be saved, and when that happens, they need to be welcomed, if, if they're truly repentant, into our churches and, and receive. But we can't receive them in, a, in an unrepentant uh, category. And uh, this is what a lot of Christians are now advocating, and I just don't, I don't accept it. I don't, well, don't receive it. I fully agree. Well, well, tell us again about your organization and uh, uh, where people can go for resources. And again, before uh, we go to the commercial break, I, I want to thank you again. Happy anniversary to you and Gail, mm-hmm. and uh, thank you for joining with us. So give us those websites again. All right, the, the, my first website started 25 years ago is exodusmandate.org, and we have a lot of things there. And if they want information, they can go and search our site, and we can send information to them. We have a lot of tracks and some books and videos. The newer one, which I highly recommend, and I'm actually chairman of the board of that, is called publicschoolexit.com. And there you can find more information about curricula, how to get started, different models, different systems, and it's set Excellent. up particularly for newbies. Excellent. So uh, you guys go check out those resources. God bless you, Ray. Thank you again uh, for being with us here on Priority Talk Live. I'm sitting in for Greg Davis here on WXJC 101.1 FM. Come back after the break. Thank you. It's time to raise your voice. It's time to be heard. Because everything counts. Everything matters. Good news. Christian values. Alabama's Christian Talk Radio. 
with Greg Davis. Priority Talk. All right, here again for another exciting, riveting, explosive, powerful hour of Priority Talk Live. Tom Littleton sitting in for Greg Davis. I've got my son sitting here. He's on a homeschool project observing uh, as uh, uh, Stuart uh, makes this magic happen and come right to you wherever you are out there. And uh, we're glad that you joined us. If you're interested in getting in on the conversation here on WXJC at 101.1 FM, 850 AM, you can call in this hour, 205-941-1011. You can listen online at WXJCRadio.com. Priority Talk on Facebook, PriorityTalk.com. You can find us uh, that uh, listen live or share the podcast later with some friends. So we're here that uh, we're, we're glad you're here. We're, we're listening for you if you want to call in. And we're here for you to give you some good and helpful information. We've been talking about education, about Christian education and keeping it Christian, and then some of the forces that are coming against it. Well, this hour I'd like to look at some news stories and how they relate to the things we talked about in the first hour related to um, the struggle as Christians sort of navigating the world that we're in and the culture that we're up against. I want to start out with a scripture to encourage you about uh, your uh, discipling your kids and the kids' responsibility the dad's responsibilities coming from Ephesians 6 children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right honor your father and your mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and uh, that you may live long on the earth and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord uh, and so we both have uh, responsibilities as parents and as kids. And, you know, all you kids out there, remember your parents were kids, too. Some of us still are. And uh, we're all uh, children in the Lord's eyes. And he said, allow those little ones to come to me for such is the kingdom of heaven. So Christian education really is a lifelong endeavor because we're always learning. So we have to be humble to uh, approach the Lord and to approach the truth and the gospel, to approach God's word as learners. That's what the very word disciple means. And so facing uh, challenges in Christian education, I mentioned when we had our guest E. Ray Moore on that there was a group that was uh, pushing what's called uh, theistic evolution, merging science and uh, faith together. I want to point out something interesting about that, theistic evolution, and especially the work of BioLogos uh, in particular. That's very popular because of some of the important guys who are behind its founding and who promote it, who participate in it. But I discovered looking into that, not only is it a conflict, uh, but there are uh, groups that are supporting this. In particular, one foundation, the Templeton Foundation, is putting over $150 million into what is not a Christian effort, but an interfaith effort to uh, push uh, education uh, uh, toward uh, theistic evolution, toward a merger of science and faith. Now, the problem with that, you know, is glaringly obvious on some level and then more subtle in other areas. But I had two stories, one, this one from Religion News Service, that's like an AP wire for um 
religious stories. It's interfaith. It's very liberal. It says, Interfaith Summit dreams of America as a potluck, not a battlefield. Now, there's a constant thread to the mantra that is going on in uh, in uh, Christian press and religious press and even in the secular press when it comes to religion is that, oh, we're too polarized. We're too polarized politically. Uh, you know, the religious right is playing a big um, role in polarizing, preaching Christian nationalism and this kind of stuff. But uh, this headline says hundreds of interfaith campus leaders gathered in Chicago to reimagine America. So uh, you guys think America needs reimagining? Uh, well, it depends on who's doing the imagining, right? Uh, reimagining America as a potluck where everyone is welcome rather than a melting pot. So a potluck instead of a melting pot. Participants in the Interfaith America Leadership Summit posed together in Chicago. This was an August 16th story about an August 12th through 14th event that took place in Chicago. Just be careful of stuff that ha- is happening in Chicago and around the University of Chicago because this is the the um, mecca of the interfaith movement of uh, the uh, progressive political movement. Here's what one young lady, uh, she identifies with no particular faith. She calls herself spiritual, but not religious. I don't know if you've heard that. I'm a street preacher. That's my calling. And so I've, I've heard this many, many, many times. Well, I'm spiritual. I'm just not religious. Uh, well, if, if spirituality, if it comes with that kind of uh, pick and choose and whatever you want, then it's it's really not uh, spirituality. Uh, it's it's, it, it's really more of self-designed religion. You usually end up kind of being the god of the religion that you make up yourself as you go along. She said she recognized that religion can still play a role and bring to people together especially in times of tension and conflict. Now, this pulling together is what's called the dialectic, and Hegelian dialectic is a big part of how UNESCO and these other groups want to bring people into the big common ground and the in the in the the uh, social commons, basically, where everybody can sing kumbaya and feel good about it, and um, and then just ignore the real problems that are happening to them. Here's another comment: uh, People are desperate for a place to talk about things like politics, where it is not going to get too aggressive. This is a University of North Florida student who said that, who's part of this interfaith office. So there were 360 students and educators from 90 different universities who gathered for this meeting. This is typical of what's going on, but I bring this up because this interfaith movement is actually a core part of the uh, the effort to, to bring science and faith together and, and interfaith because they're trying to get all uh, faiths to give up their sacred text uh, to the point that they align with them against sort of the global goals objectives. And so they bring everybody to the sweet spot of everybody all getting along, even if they maintain some religious distinctives. But this is that global spirituality that UNESCO dreamed about and wants to implement. So uh, merging science and faith uh, has taken on a decidedly interfaith uh, flavor 
for this movement now as BioLogos and other organizations and apologetics ministries push this uh, sort of blending and rethinking and reimagining even of the Word of God of uh, Genesis 1 through 11 like uh, Ray Moore talked about earlier. We need to stick with a literal view of the Bible because uh, God is uh, wise enough not to be taken by surprise by any scientific discovery and uh, and we don't need to subject the Word of God to the whims of science which are often politically driven. The the dollars are politically driven. Uh, a lot of it has been used to try to undermine confidence in the Bible and the Word of God and to weaken the impact of Christianity, especially in Western culture. Now, you're here on WXJC, and we are live on Priority Talk Live. We'll be right back after this break. Marketing can be overwhelming. From website changes, PPC, SEO, SEM, branding, social media, brochures, and everything in between. The marketing landscape is vast and full of holes to lose your money. Stop trying to piece your marketing together. Start marketing with purpose. Dot Edison Marketing is your full-service marketing partner. They are your business's outsourced marketing team that will save you time and money, all while building a traditional and digital foundation for your business. Call them at 205-332-3728 or go to their website at dotedison.com. This is Greg, and I want you to know about my friend Jeff Harding and Alabama Reliable Roofing. Your local roofing expert since 1998, Alabama Reliable Roofing provides residential and commercial clients with exceptional roofing services. Jeff and his experienced team are well equipped to provide repairs and installations of shingle and metal roofs. Look, I know the importance of a roof and that it's one of the biggest investments you make in your home, place of business, or church facilities. Alabama Reliable Roofing understands this as well and has the experience to work with your insurance company in case of storm damage. So whether your roof has suffered from storm damage and needs repairs, or it just may be time for a new roof, you need an inspection to determine the next steps. Company owner Jeff Harding is waiting on your phone call and will be personally involved with every job. Call him at 205-369-9630 for a no-obligation conversation and a free estimate. Look at their work on the Alabama Reliable Roofing Facebook page and then call Jeff at 205-369-9630. Alabama Reliable Roofing, 205-369-9630. How's it going? This is Ben Davies from the movie Courageous. You're listening to Priority Talk with Greg Davis, Birmingham's only daily Christian radio talk show. Welcome back. Tom Littleton sitting in for Greg Davis here on Priority Talk Live, WXJC 101.1 FM, 8.50 AM. If you guys are out there listening and you want to join the conversation, call in at 205-941-1011. We're talking about Christian education. We're talking about the struggles to uh, keep it Christian. And uh, then just looking at some broader news stories this afternoon and uh, looking at how important it is for us to consolidate our efforts to be faithful to the Lord, to follow the Lord, to raise our family. Uh, I want to share with you, uh, Peter gives a strong warning about the topic we were talking about with the other verses with Abraham, God saying he chose Abraham so he would instruct his children and his family after him so they would follow righteousness. 
Peter warns about in the last days uh, that there were, there were false prophets before uh, among the people, and there will also be false teachers among you, he said in Second Peter 2. Um, he said, who will secretly bring in de- destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow, he says, their destructive waves, because of whom uh, the way of truth will be blasphemed or evil spoken of. By covetousness, it says, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not linger. He goes on to warn that God didn't spare the angels who sinned, uh, but delivered them into chains awaiting judgment. He didn't spare the ancient world with Noah, uh, but he, uh, uh, in Noah's time when Noah was a preacher of righteousness, but God brought in the flood and just spared eight souls. He also turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them to destruction, making them an example to those who would afterward live ungodly. And he delivered righteous Lot who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man uh, dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deed, deeds. But the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and reserve the unjust unto punishment to the day of judgment. You don't hear a lot of talk about God's judgment, mainly because I think you don't hear a lot of talk about God's holiness. But the Bible makes it clear that God has set forward before us uh, the way of life and and the way of death that there's a way that leads to life it's narrow jesus said and there are few that be that find it and there are those who would choose to walk uh in utter rebellion because it is our fallen nature to do so and to reject the truth of the living god this happens every day beloved but we have the responsibility and opportunity to uh to to be trained in the Lord, to be trained in his word, to train our children in the ways of the Lord. We were just talking about some of this theistic evolution and how the interfaith movement is using uh, a narrative to push the kind of global goals, global spirituality of uh, new age belief that uh, that is really the um, global education agenda. I have a story, another one here from Religion News Service, uh, again, a very uh, left-leaning outlet. Paul Rauschenbusch says Christian nationalism is a threat to the American way of life. So do you see the echoing this um, sentiment within among these youth who want it to be a, a um, uh, uh, what is it? America needs to be a, a potluck instead of a melting pot. Uh, so pushing the potluck uh, Christian <laughs> potluck uh, religious ideas. Uh, Paul Rauschenbusch, in case you uh, think you've heard that name before, He's actually the great-grandson of Walter Rauschenbusch, who was a New York pastor who came up with a whole social gospel idea uh, years and years ago. So uh, that was uh, trying to address the social ills of the day and uh, push the gospel and those who believe it toward uh, uh, liberalism, progressivism in a way that uh, they would just worry about the here and now and forget the eternal. And, uh, and of course, we know that as Christians, you can do both. You can serve people's uh, immediate needs, but it's much greater, of greater importance uh, that we serve their spiritual needs and preach the truth. And we don't uh, mute the truth just so everybody can get along. Uh, but Paul Rauschenbusch, he's making the big accusation that's going on right now, especially in the Trump era and looking at uh, how things have shaped up politically and the divisive narrative. I'll tell you this. 
progressives are the one who push uh, divisive narrative. They push the buttons and then they want to bring about change, uh, like this group that this um, interfaith uh, group of young people want to reimagine America. Well, most people in America that have come here from outside America, they came because they like it and they want it to be the way it is. Those who've grown up with the constitutional rights, religious liberties, free speech, and things like that, uh, most love it and want it to continue as it is. But we're looking at these global forces accusing America of something wrong. So this guy, Paul Rauschenbusch, he's actually the new leader of the Interfaith Alliance. Ah, there's that phrase again, interfaith. Uh, He wants to fight for an America that is well welcoming and inclusive of all faiths and no faith. So how does that sound to you? Well, uh, the outcomes that usually come about from this kind of effort are you, it's it's like a, for those of you who remember daytime TV, it's just like another episode of Oprah. I've mentioned that in the past. And some people get their, you know, their religious beliefs from this. And uh, I'll give you a little bit of the history of uh, Paul Rauschenbusch. Besides uh, being this interfaith leader, he's an American Baptist minister, which is a liberal group. And uh, uh, he went on to become the president CEO uh, of that of this interfaith alliance. And uh, he's the former dean of religious life at Princeton University. He is the founding uh, um, Huffington Post religion section in 2009, and he's serving as vice president of Auburn. Seminary, which is where I happen to know a lot of the current narrative from the left has been hatched in a big think tank that they have here uh, at this um, uh, Auburn Seminary. And Huffington Post is certainly one of the most active uh, outlets of the left and its religion section, its voices and faith voices. Uh, Huffington Post faith that's always been the detractor away from Christians, uh, from conservative Christians, biblical uh, convictions. And, of course, uh, what he is pushing is the idea that hey, you guys are all a bunch of uh, of uh, Christian nationalists, and you're being divisive, and you're hurting the cause. Now, be careful when you're a, a convictional, biblical Christian who clings to the Word of God. When people start pointing their finger at you from the left and making accusations like this Christian nationalism, they have another agenda that they're pushing. And in, in this... Um, this man and his organization that he's just taken over with Rauschenbusch, obviously he's pushing an agenda that is interfaith. If you're holding to your religious uh, conviction, then you're a problem. You're part of the problem. You're at the core of the problem. And so the narrative then is you stand accused and you start trying to justify yourself and then talk your way out of the corner that they're trying to paint you into. Well, this is a tactic because ultimately what they're doing is promoting a third-way compromise. And the left never minds ever coming into the middle and talking because they have nothing to lose. But people who follow biblical conviction, who are faithful to the Word of God, who understand that God doesn't change, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that His Word is forever settled in heaven, that God is holy, He inhabits eternity, but also dwells with those who are lowly and contrite and who obey Him. Uh, we understand that there are non-negotiables when it comes to God and His holiness and His commandments. So. Guys want to bring you into the third way because they want you to abandon 
those convictions that are based on God's word, based on God's character. And they want you to come to the middle and talk it out and feel your way through it and have this conversation and reimagine, uh, reimagine your country, reimagine the Bible, reimagine God, reimagine your convictions and become malleable and, and moldable in the hands of uh, this culture, which is forever changing and shifting and on a continual slide under to to judgment. And so the struggle that we have here is that we can't just take this stuff and let it go and, and allow ourselves to be washed downstream with it. And so our hope is that we will remain uh, convictional, that we will remain faithful, because this is our relationship with God. Every prophet, every apostle, every disciple who's ever faced the kind of times that we face has this same responsibility, that we step up and that we be, we be willing to be persecuted, thought of as evil, have our name cast out as evil. You're here on uh, Priority Talk Live with Tom Littleton. Uh, We'll be coming right back on WHJC 101.1. We'll give the number out as soon as we get back from the break so you can call in. Thanks. And now back to Priority Talk with Greg Davis. My life be like... Life be like right here on uh, Priority Talk Live. Tom Littleton sitting in for Greg Davis. We're glad you're here. Uh, WHJC, uh, we appreciate all of the audience. We're wide open here on the phone lines. If you want to call in, 205-941-1011. You can catch us on whjcradio.com, Priority Talk on Facebook, PriorityTalk.com. Click on the listen live and share with the, the podcast with your friends. So anyway, we appreciate you being with us. Good news and Christian values. That is the mission of Priority Talk. I was going to share another scripture with you. We're talking about education, Christian education. This is a strong admonition of uh, growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus from uh, Colossians. Paul just simply says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that simple? As you receive the Lord as your your Savior, he's delivered you, you bear his name, just walk in him. And he lives in your heart, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So be established in the faith and walk in it. Uh, beware lest anyone, strong warning, cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So strong, strong, but simple admonition that we don't need to be taken captive by vain philosophies and the ways of the world, the ideas of the world. This has all been repeated. It's been tried. Uh, Many Christians have failed uh, when they stepped into this uh, place of vulnerability, and many Christians have fought and successfully 
uh, withstood these kind of forces that have come against them. So I was going to talk a little bit more about uh, the Christian education thing and how uh, the world is trying to push us into its mold. That's why we have to help shape and mold uh, our spiritual lives, our families, our children. And uh, uh, one of the things going on right now is this big melting pot of third way. You'll hear me say that's actually a political movement that is masks itself as being politically neutral. When, in fact, it's it's coming from the left, it's coming from progressives, it's a very defined ideology, very defined talking points, and very keenly uh, sculpted, uh, scripted, and shapen uh, tools to guilt Christians and bring them toward the left. And and what they're wanting you to give up is your convictions of, of who God is as you understand him, of what the gospel is as you understand it, what kind of truth really leads to salvation, and what kind of foundation you can lay. If you remember, Jesus said, the wise man builds his house. He's like the one who builds his house on the rock. And the winds come, the flood uh, comes, uh, the, the storms rage against it, but it stands. But the foolish man is like him who goes and builds his house on the sand. Those who ignore Jesus' words, building their house on the sand, when the floods came, the rain came, the winds blew, that house fell, and great was its fall. And so whether we're talking about our country, our, um, our community, our uh, church, our, our lives, our families, our careers, our faith. If we're going to take heed to God's word, we have to be on that solid foundation. We can't be moved off into this sandy soil. Well, third way is the very essence of sandy soil, then it's, it's, it's like a sticky trap for us. If we start trying to appease people and negotiate the non-negotiables so that people like us or feel better about us or we feel better about ourselves and we take the approach to God and his word as if these things um, are shameful and that we need to be embarrassed, need to be quiet, need to have our hat in our hand as we approach the culture and basically apologize. Now, I've been involved in Christian apologetics and I'm a, a street evangelist by calling. And I can tell you, you don't have to apologize for the gospel. You don't have to make excuses that you believe that, that uh, Jesus died for our sin, that we're all sinners. He died for us, and then he, uh, he arose again from the dead for our justification. You don't have to justify that, but you believe in a six-day creation and that the Word of God is tried and true and that it can't be subjected to the whims of philosophy or faux science or any of these things that are trying to stake their claim against it and against your faith. So here's one. I've noticed a lot. Now, I was saved at the time that um, a lot of denominations were already starting to absorb uh, very destructive uh, false teachings, and the social gospel had had a significant impact by the time I was saved in the late 70s. And there has been a growing uh, movement uh, in the church over the last 10 years, 15 years, to look at the conservatism of the church in, simply in a political light and to say, well, uh, these are just a bunch of people who want to let the church be co-opted by the Republican Party, blah, blah, blah. And so 
uh, Christianity Today, which is not a publication I would trust. Uh, some people rightly call it Christianity Astray. It's in Chicago, its main offices, and uh, it's been uh, pushing the social gospel for a long time. But we have this uh, book review here. Uh, it's called A Non-Conservative's Plea to Those Leaving Conservative Churches. So in this story here, we have uh, uh, a talk about a book uh, called um, of Roger Olson, Against Liberal Theology. So he's making a plea that, that people who are leaving the conservative church would not go into liberalism. Well, there's really only one alternative, and what do you think that is? It is third way, to come into the mushy middle, remain uh, or become um, malleable, become uh, manipulated, and so this whole idea is that the far-right fringe has co-opted the church. Uh, those Bible-believing, those Bible-thumpers, those people that see there's only one way, their way or the highway, uh, those intolerant people, those uh, people who are eaten up with uh, Christian nationalism like, uh, like some social disease sweeping through America these days. All this narrative comes from the left, people. It's meant to guilt you, manipulate you. And so uh, here's a guy who's a non-conservative saying, oh, don't go into liberalism just because you're not comfortable in your church anymore. And um, so his thesis is that liberal Christianity has cut the cord of continuity between its Christian past and orthodoxy. Uh, but it's, also, it's kind of now become a different religion. So he's not advocating that you go into the left, uh, the, the quote-unquote Christian left, but he's He's saying, well, here's, there's another alternative. There's a, a mushy middle out here for you. Well, there's one thing about the mushy middle. It is always destined to collapse because it's unsustainable. And when it comes to the convictions that the Word of God is true, beloved, we're going to have to take some heat for being uh, convictional Christians today. People are going to laugh at you. People are going to call you names. People are going to say, I can't believe you believe that. People are say, oh, you're being divisive. Oh, you're being intolerant. They're going to say it, and you're going to have to man up, chin up, and deal with it. Now, I'm saying this as a street preacher because I've, I've taken a lot of abuse through the years as a Christian out on the streets, on university campuses, and places like this. And I think there is some growing um, intolerance of, of, uh, of uh, the Christian faith, and there is some growing intolerance in our culture of uh, conservative uh, Christianity. And there is this big interfaith movement. There is this big uh, 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 tolerance movement. And these things just are really the result of people hearing too much of the talking points, not discerning where they're coming from. And unfortunately, people even within the church and Christian media, as we see, are picking these things up and running with them. And, and you know, that's something about human nature. We tend to hear something. We hear a buzzword, a buzz phrase. This is how a effective all this stuff is because uh, all it takes is kind of dusting this stuff out there and and then it starts coming back it catches uh, traction and you know with the internet it's even easier to, uh, and my son was talking about on the way up here he was talking about during pride month especially I, I mean I don't know if you were staggered by uh, this surge of uh, pride month and everything was rainbow and I hear more and more young guys and People like my son say, man, it's everywhere. I'm so tired of it. But there was a lot of stuff he saw 
online where uh, they were pushing this into uh, young people's realm and uh, pushing a very highly propagandized narrative for them for Pride Month. And everybody had to do their big logo. I, I think it's ironic that probably the world's biggest Pride Month we've ever had also um, was when we found out um, uh, the, what a uh, growing problem that monkeypox was becoming and uh, uh, that even the CDC and others have admitted that they tried to hide the origins of this in some uh, pretty seedy LGBT events that were happening in Europe at that time. So, hey, reality is reality. You can't fake away uh, uh, science and health care and these kind of things. You, you can't uh, politicize all that stuff without loss and damage. But you're here with us. We're talking about education. We're talking about Christian education, keeping it Christian, dealing with some of the uh, current issues and the struggles to raise your family in these days. And uh, we're here on WXJC on 101.18. Uh, FM 850 uh, AM uh, with Tom Littleton sitting in for Greg Davis. We'll be right back. Priority Talk. One Point USA is a security company serving churches and businesses in the state of Alabama. Don't wait until something happens to protect your employees and your valuable property. One Point USA's experienced staff understands your security needs and wants to help you before a problem arises. From video surveillance to card access control and commercial security systems, One Point USA has got you covered. Call One Point USA today at 205-701-0191. That's 205-701-0191 or visit OnePointUSA.com. That's the number OnePointUSA.com. One Point USA. Be secure. Greg Davis here, and I want to remind you of Priority Talk's longest-running advertiser, and that's Today's Family Dentistry, your friendly dental practice conveniently located in downtown Coleman. Make your appointment to see Dr. David Kim, Dr. Key Tan, or Dr. Stephanie Young, along with an experienced and certified team of dental technicians, along with a friendly staff, I might add, who serve both children and adults with a wide range of dental services. That includes general and restorative care, along with the cosmetic enhancements to meet all of your family's dental needs. Today's Family Dentistry accepts Medicaid for children under 21, Blue Cross Blue Shield All Kids, and most commercial insurances. Give them a call today and make your appointment, 256-739-3337. That's Today's Family Dentistry located in downtown Coleman. Call today and make your appointment, 256-739-3337. Today's Family Dentistry in downtown Coleman. This is Jeff Myers from Summit Ministries, and you are listening to Greg Davis, Priority Radio. All right, welcome back. This is the last run up to the top of the hour. Stuart's been here with us, uh, keeping things going. We appreciate you, Stuart. Thanks for being there. Good job. And uh, we're in studio today. Uh, Tom Littleton sitting in at Priority Talk Live for Greg Davis, 101.1 FM, 850 AM on WXJC. You can catch this program every day uh, from 4 to 6 WXJC on WXJCRadio.com. 
Priority Talk uh, on Facebook, PriorityTalk.com. We appreciate that you are there, and we appreciate our uh, listening audience, the guys who call in. We appreciate our guest today, Ray Moore, who gave us some great perspective on Christian education. I would encourage you uh, as a Christian parent to don't be afraid to take on your uh, your children's education and stand in the gap and make up the hedge. And uh, just a little uh, admonition here. Uh, again, from Colossians uh, 2, verse 9, For in him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You are not lacking anything if you're walking in Christ and that Jesus dwells in you. God has given you his best and his fullest and has offered you his life and and, uh, as he designed it, life more abundant. And if we seek first the Lord and uh, the kingdom uh, and uh, and his righteousness, he said all other things will be added to us. That is a solid promise right out of the red ink from Jesus' own heart that uh, if we seek him, he'll be faithful to us. Uh, looking at the landscape across, uh, you know, the Christian uh, discussion and, and topics today, I, I saw something of interest, and this will be something that has shaped the Christian conversation and how faithful biblical Christians uh, confront or deal with and interact with the um, the culture around us has been the pro-life issue. That's something that most convictional Christians, if they hold to the, the Bible uh, and they regard life and they regard the sanctity of life and, and God's holiness, they have understood that they are cannot negotiate on pro-life issues and on abortion. So uh, I saw that the uh, National Association of Evangelicals coming August 30th, they're going to have a webinar uh, about um joining uh, joining the, uh, them with Christianity Today to talk about pro-life matters and the American churches after Roe v. Wade, meaning after the Dobbs decision, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which many people thought would never happen. But this sort of diffused at the federal level through the Supreme Court decision, the, um, the heated debate that had gone on for 50 years over abortion. An abortion in America. Meanwhile, uh, tens of millions of babies have been murdered in their mother's womb, and uh, two generations have struggled with this issue uh, with politically, and uh, it has been a historically very divisive issue, but it's something so black and white in the scripture. And that is that life begins at conception because that is a human being that is taking shape in, of all places, the sanctity and the protection of the womb. And yet our culture has just been sold a bill of goods from uh, people like Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood and a political agenda that has had women thinking they're defending their rights by, uh, by putting an end to the life that's within them. And so as insane as all that's been, then, of course, the Supreme Court had stepped in and made this legal, and uh, they had protected that right. And the feminist, uh, which you see, uh, I, I, I don't understand why uh, people who are feminist and living an alternative lifestyle are worried about uh, their abortion rights because uh, people who are living that way aren't going to get pregnant. Unless they want to, of course, and they'll do it through some other means. Uh, but this uh, pro-life issue has affected the whole world, the whole culture in America, and it has assigned the church to being viewed as an extreme uh, um, 
uh, an intolerant group of people who would force their way and their will by standing firm for the rights of, of the unborn and, and the right to life. But so this now has become sort of a diffused issue on the federal level, but it still exists on the state level. And, of course, I can promise you that those forces who have pushed and funded Planned Parenthood International, uh, all the billions of dollars, I know by the um, 2014, the Obama administration had taken Title IX funding promoting abortion and the networks that provide abortion from $35 million to over $830 million uh, um, globally and over 500 million to that half a billion dollars a year in tax money was supporting this network for abortion in America that was by 2014 think about that people that kind of stuff going on is begging god to judge our country and uh, judge us uh, judge the church whose uh, watch it's happening on if if we're not speaking up about it now spiritually this is very akin to the kind of idolatry that was going on in Israel, and you've probably heard this analogy before, but I've been to Israel. I know Greg's got a a trip coming up. He's been before. Uh, You can see how idolatry and even child sacrifice affected God's people in Israel. It is appalling to know what they found in some of the ruins there, like on the top of Megiddo, one of the altars that they found thousands of uh, jars with the remains of infants and uh, small children. And so this is something, as unthinkable it is as it is, it can actually uh, deceive Christians through uh, having idols in their heart to think that uh, they should have a right to destroy their young. And this very pro-life issue and the division that's come around over abortion, I don't think the National Association of Evangelicals is a partner that I would trust. Uh, the head of National Association of Evangelicals now is a guy named Walter Kim. He will be moderating this event that's coming up. Uh, he's a um, a teacher in residence at Trinity Presbyterian Church in Charlottesville, North Carolina, but he, or Charlottesville, Virginia, excuse me, he is um, actually Presbyterian Church in America, which is a conservative denomination, but the uh, PCA just voted back in June to to break ties with the National Association of Evangelicals because this organization has moved left so quickly, especially over uh, issues like um, uh, what uh, the compromise, the third way uh, view on LGBT rights that's uh, called um, fairness for all. Uh, that was the main topic that the PCA had with them. But they've actually, Walter Kim and others with the NAE have uh, played a big role in pushing the churches to close, pushing uh, the the, uh, the COVID uh, narrative and vaccines and those kind of things. So that's been a problem for them because they've become highly politicized. And the, the bottom line here, world relief which is their humanitarian arm, is uh, getting into a big move into uh, resettling refugees, including Muslim refugees in America. So, uh, And they're getting hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to do that. So all of a sudden, they have this big interfaith uh, alliance that they're a part of with the NAE and pushing 
an interfaith narrative uh, into the church itself, right into the heart of evangelicalism. I think they have over 40,000 member churches and organizations. So the the NAE was founded, understood to be conservative, protect some conservative Christian views. But now we see a lot of these organizations that have been around a long time, they're starting to uh, get more and more obvious in their leftward drift. I have to say this about all that is that unfortunately it's often money that causes this stuff to happen. I know we talked about Christian education, homeschooling, and about Christian schools, putting your kids in Christian schools. The reason this is so important is so they can grow up with a strong Christian worldview. They, that means, above all, is that they view the world around them and all these changes and everything that are happening through the lens of the Scripture, through God's Word, a biblical lens through which they interpret and understand the world around them. Nothing is more important that we could be um, facing in the culture today or that we could be tasked with doing as parents than to disciple our kids and protect our families uh, from this constant encroachment uh, that the world and globalists and these agendas are pushing in on us. So we listen carefully to the voice of the, of the Lord as we are led through his word and know that our responsibilities can't be abdicated or shirked or, or uh, passed on to someone else. We've got to take up the mantle, be the priest in our homes, uh, you dads and moms. Uh, sow those seeds in your home and, and be there for your children. Make yourselves available. There's nothing more important than our relationships with the Lord, our relationship within the family, and for us to follow God wholeheartedly. I appreciate this program. I appreciate Greg. We appreciate you, the audience, because it's a voice in these kind of troubling times. And it's a struggle, you know, for us if we think we're out here walking alone. And I would just remind you, you're not alone. The Lord stands with you when everybody else forsakes you. Uh, You're not alone in your faith if you're enduring trials because these same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And all who've gone before us have suffered uh, trial and persecution and temptation. But uh, you've been with us on uh, Priority Talk Live. Again, Tom Littleton uh, sitting in for Greg Davis, my son Seth, and uh, also our guest Ray Moore and um, uh, and uh, Stuart, our great uh, producer. We appreciate that you joined us today. We say God bless you. We thank you for uh, giving us your time, sharing it with us. And we're praying for you. We love you. We want to see you back here on Priority Talk Live on WXJC. Thanks for coming in. Your home 